2: with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett. and am with me to discuss the epic Christmas schedule as always. It's Mr. Sports Science himself. <laughs> it's Simon Brundish. Even inside. Hey, boys, not oh, fully fit leave. Simon, but though yet you're not match, fully match fit yet.
3: Ah, uh, no, people still really don't need to hear about me whining.
1: Yeah, that's right. You've got a brand to it's keep up here. always talking about it myself. <laughs> but there's plenty on the sports science to talk about on this one, isn't there? Anyway, that's for sure. Sure. Yeah, uh, and. Our newest regular is back again. Um, Bart's couldn't be with us, Rosie couldn't be with us, but Hamza Kalik Kali Luna from the
4: Times, back again. How are you doing, Hamza? Good evening, everyone. Uh, well, it's evening when we're recording this. I uh, hope everyone had a nice Christmas. Uh, but yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm at home, so uh, my internet is not as stable as when I'm in the office, but it uh, should be fine for tonight. Did you have a Boxing Day assignment for the Times? Uh- yeah. Um I, I do a weekly tactics sort of um, Oh but not match, piece. not not, not attending. Oh, no, I, I add the ma- uh, add the match off. I did uh Christmas Eve at Wolves, which was uh, quite easy. Uh, I did a swap which was quite useful. Uh, I was meant to do uh Forest on the Saturday and then Nuno Espirito Santa as the Christmas one <laughs> goes. And You can see that's in all my um, reports. I'd ever I, I did Franfield Index whenever we played Wolves around Christmas. Um, but yeah, just write themselves, Hamza. <laughs> he was appointed, so um, I and that match also clashed. Well, if, if I was watching it, um, I wouldn't be able to get back in time for the Liverpool match. So I no, a nice swap, got a swap. And then I did Wolves instead, which was much easier. Oh, okay. Christmas Eve lunchtime. Anyway,
1: yes.
3: That poor fella has no idea what a shit show Forest is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, sorry, I don't know about you, but I thought this was coming into it. I was so excited about this game, this Arsenal game. I, I, I thought it was like the biggest league match at Anfield, at least in in I was thinking in four years since the title season. Um, I know we had the game at the Etihad in 21-22 when you know potentially we could have won and, and controlled our destiny, but this just this game yeah just felt massive to me going and coming into it
3: yeah alongside uh what feels like cities collapse and uh, relative
1: collapse yes
3: yeah exacerbated by them not playing um being away at the league the the world club cup or whatever it is yeah. um so that that amplifies the whole you know we we're, we're ahead in the in the way that uh when they came behind from behind when they were 37 points behind us with Actually, 14 games in hand, or whatever absurdity is, but people only ever talk about how many points behind, doesn't it? When we threw the title away, yeah, I think, I think with the games in hand, we were like four points, but four points ahead. Um, and and so, yeah, it just feels like a more exaggerated version, but it was very exciting coming impending from the beginning of the season, we got United and Arsenal at home right before Christmas, yeah, that always felt exciting, and then. Ugh, the shit show of of planning against United, which people gave United way too much credit for, we were just rubbish, um, and it could only get better than that. Having a team that's that's coming to coming to Liverpool to attack, two real. It felt a little bit nineties, um, like Arsenal and, and Man United playing each other, um, like proper big teams that are going to go toe to toe and and thrash it out. Didn't really work out that way, but it was very exciting.
1: Yeah. And um I guess the biggest thing about that was Arsenal had a free midweek we had to play um a Carabao Cup quarter final against Aston Villa um and what did that do to the the starting elevens say and also what did what yeah so what was the rotation for the for the Arsenal game and then what did you generally think uh, after what you know Let's through the whole of the the, the impacts of the Villa game on the match for us um then let's get get it all out of the way now
3: well, the thing is, you have to periodize. This is not. It's you, you can't just look at it uh, um, as what we're going to do from this game to the next game. It has to be within a block, and this is the biggest block of the season. Yeah, uh, post week, <clears throat> and all of the the games we have one after the next. Um, like uh, was it? I think we had fourteen games in thirty-one days. Um, even though, relatively, we've got. The second best or, f- or best schedule over the actual Christmas period in terms yeah. of uh, hours between the three Christmas games and the amount of travel we have. Mm. These things were in our favor, but these things were also in our favor two years ago. If you remember, I was making a big deal out of it and we didn't take advantage of it then. And we kind of not really taken advantage of it this time either. But it, we, there was a, the, the thing I bang on about with the caribou is that it's it, the the date of the fixture and um, knowing that it was between Man United and Arsenal, knowing the impact it would have on the rotation of our squad, because we don't have a massive squad. It's not tiny, but we have to use first teamers in all of these games. And there's a bunch of our first teamers who are both fragile and or injured. Um, so you have to try to mitigate their immediate their acute playing load at the same time as be uh, in the back of your eye, at uh, the back of your mind, um, be aware of their overall season um, playing load and the trajectory of that. So you want to reduce their minutes for week on week, but also keep them high enough to be, to be um, uh, robust and ready to, ready for action. So there's, there's lots of stuff to think about. And it would have been, the first full four day uh, day four game day plus four of this block if we hadn't have played the caribou but we did um, and so instead of having two free um, tr- full training days between Man United and Arsenal we had none um, and you've got to rotate how you rotate around that so there was there was a bunch between the EFL and uh, playing West Ham um, but like we were playing properly for first team players in that game. We, we're treating it like the, you've got the
1: rotation of Ali, but. Um, yeah, you've got Kwanzaa and Ibu seem to be rotating match by match at the moment.
3: Yeah, midweeks. Yeah. It's, it's happened quite a lot. Um, so smart, you can't play Ibu back to back. It just seems unfeasible. Joe Gomez is having to play way more than you'd want him to because he's covering the fullbacks, and Trent needs time off, yeah. and now we've got both left yeah. backs injured, so they're coming out. You've got uh, what? What? What was the midweek um, midfield of uh, Endo, Harvey, and CJ? Um, and CJ and Harvey played the whole game in the FL, which one of them was well, they're both like played really, really good games. And the tide seems to turn in favour of uh, of Curtis after that game. So people were desperate for him to start and see his value against Arsenal. But the problem was uh, it was kind of buggered from playing all 95 minutes at a really high intense level against West Ham. So there was consequences to all of these things. But he did start uh, and there was some kind of upside around the interchange of the forwards and playing them on the opposite sides and... um, and getting a little bit of form, maybe Darwin started to look a little bit better coming off the left. So, so
1: yeah, um, yeah. Well, the other, up front, the other rotation was that Darwin played the full game against Villa, and um, he, and then Diaz came back in on the left, and, and Cody stayed at front. So,
3: yeah. So there are yeah. consequences to all how these inter intermingle and mesh. Hmm. But the upside of all of these games is that. We seem to like I alluded to earlier. We've got we had a midweek midfield, and we're we kind of got a midweek defence going a little bit, but a little bit less than that because the the injuries we have. the The first first few get midweek games we had look really disjointed because these lads have never played together, and the units have never played together. But now they're starting to have experienced that because they've played the previous week together. They're just in, just the units within the team. And and long term, that could be of a real benefit.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, Hamza, um, we spent a lot of time recent pods talking about balance and balance of roles. Again, um, this eleven against Arsenal looked nicely balanced.
4: Yeah, definitely, and uh, I think um, it really helped as as we mentioned before with Jones coming in, and I think uh, he pairs quite well with Endo as well. Uh, so, when we think about roles, it's not just how a player functions. Well, functions within the system as a whole, but how does a pair? Uh, how does a player couple with the players alongside them? Yeah, as well? they need to be complementary. Don't they? To
1: the person next to them, don't they? Want to? They don't want to be doing the same thing.
4: But... Absolutely, and I think um, that worked really well. And it was not just Jones and Endo, but also uh, Trent as well, because Trent came in field and yeah. you see different moments in the Arsenal game in particular. Uh, those three players. Uh, taking up the sort of nominal number six role in the middle and other times moving out wide. So by, by knowing each other's movements and understanding when to go in and when not to go in, when to allow a teammate to, to move into that spot or when to support them in, as part of a double pivot, as sometimes Jones did with, with Endo, uh, that's quite helpful, uh, because it just gives a bit of, um, reliability and safety. Uh, within the minds of each player so uh, yeah they feel a bit more comfortable so yeah um, th- that balance particularly across the back felt much better and we began to see uh, the benefits of that in possession uh, after the first 15 or so minutes yeah um, yeah and um, Arsenal
1: um, you've been to a lot of Arsenal games a lot more and more Arsenal games than me inside this season uh, any surprises at all in the
4: Arsenal 11? Uh, is this no, full, the, is, this, is this full strength for them? Yeah, this is, this is uh, the, the the first choice team. Uh, there has been a bit of discussion about um, players that they may look to to sign, maybe a a, a new striker. But I think just the way that they play, uh, Jesus is excellent in the way that he peels over to to each half space to support the winger on on whichever yeah. side he's working with. Uh, so he helps them double up. Sometimes they have a little bit of an issue in that the the wingers do get a bit isolated. Uh, but that um, that we uh, we got a chance to. You got a little um off-the-record chat with Edu and he he mentioned how pleased he's been with with, with Havertz and his development and uh, how he sort of fills in uh, and offers something a bit different to Xhaka. So you see how he box crashes and supports the attacks a bit better. Uh, his off-ball movement is quite good. Um, but yeah, filling that space between the sort of midfield line and the forward line, um, Havertz, does, uh, ha- Havertz is improving in up on that side. Uh, so it's helping that left side build up and you're also seeing Erdegaard get on the ball a bit more. So yeah, uh, this is about as, as strong as they get. They are, uh, w- one thing I think that they, they may have done though, if they had a full strength squad, uh, Tommy Asu may have been employed in Serzinchenko, uh, to deal with, uh, Mosala. Um, uh, the, the, they've done that in a few matches before and Tommy Asu's profile is much better suited to going, uh, closer up and Wells and Champion does offer relief in in terms of possession when it comes to being isolated against a player like Salah as you, as you saw with the goal and as you saw with passes that are played over his head uh, and when we had um when we built up on the right around him all last season as well in the yeah. two draw where Trent got round the outside uh, I think then nutmegged him and then chipped the pass for the the equalising goal for Minos goal uh Zinchenko can be targeted.
1: Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. He's he's definitely a weak link, and this is de- it's definitely a favourable matchup. And, I mean, there's matchup on you know in, when you look at eleven v, v eleven, there was matchups that favoured Arsenal in positionally, and but this the Salah versus Zinchenko was a definitely
4: one in our favour. I, th- I um, think that's why they recruited Timber in the first place. So he would play as the so he's also out with a ACL yeah. this season. So like it's as full strength as they can be without the um, um, excluding Timber, right? But um yeah. But yeah, the, the idea that he he would tuck in in the sort of um in the same way that um, well, uh Ake and John Stone sort of do from from full back and then office support midfield cuz he's, he's quite he, he's pretty good technically. Yeah. Uh, but he's a lot more robust and better in defending one-on-ones because he used to play as a center back as well. So that that was um the idea behind Timber joining but um yeah, he's been injured so that not been able to use him. Uh, but of, of the this is typical first-choice eleven, but I think specifically for Liverpool, Tommy Asume may have played if he was fit and if Timber was fit, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: he would. Nice. Um, and um, unfortunately, Arsenal have quite a bright start, Hamza. And then um, much as you talked about um, Arsenal's strength at both ends in set-pieces, um, unfortunately for us, it was
4: a set-piece that gave them the early leads. Uh, yeah, uh, and the, 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 the shot placement itself isn't, necessarily very big i might just pull it up on understat if you give me a second uh but yeah um the reason well they got two set pieces in the first few minutes one was a corner uh, yeah. and the second was uh the goal that they uh, the free kick from the left side where canate goes in with Havertz, makes a foul and they get the a free kick from there uh so yeah this season uh they have the most set piece goals uh 11 joint with everton yeah who, um are playing city now so that that stat might change if you're listening um uh, when, when this goes live. Uh, but their XG isn't as high. Uh, their XG puts in one, two, three, four, five, sixth, uh, for, for XG from set pieces. But yeah, uh, with, um, 6.6, they've outperformed it by quite a bit. And this goal would have helped that overperformance a little bit because, uh, it was positioned near the, I'm just going to get it up now. Uh, the goal, yeah.
1: It was uh, central.
4: It was central about 12 meters out, I would say. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's when I look on understat, it's a bit closer than I than I, th- than I thought it was. I thought it was yeah. a bit nearer the penalty spot. But yeah, I, th- I think the issue in this was um, <laughs> the uh, question is is how did how did get Gabrielle get a free header in our box? That's the that's the key hmm. breakdown, isn't it? Yeah. So we initially positioned our line outside the area, and yeah. then just as the kick was about to be taken, uh, Liverpool dropped to the line of the area. Uh and Gakpo just slightly sort of oversteps and that and that's eventually what plays um yeah. Gabriel onside. But you also see uh Canates with Gabriel at the same point too. Yeah. And if you watch the movement uh that he does, he sort of jinks in and out. I think the idea was to just quickly sort of try and play the trap, uh, but just don't quite do it right. Uh yeah, so yeah just holding the line. And then it's
1: it's, it's three it's a combination of three sp- free from all mistakes, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Ali he comes and decided thinks about coming, then doesn't, and he gets caught between two stools as well. So you know, C- Cody playing him on, um, Ibu not tracking his man, not staying with his man, and, and Ali getting caught between two stools. So yeah, it's just, just, re- just so annoying to concede an equalizer like that. So a, a, an opening goal like that. So we're yeah, it was,
3: it was a very sloppy free kick to give away in the first
1: place. Mm. You think so? So yeah, yeah, needless, was, yeah, uh,
3: absolutely needless. It was the middle of the middle of our half on near the touchline, no one was going anywhere. It was, a, it was, it was, it was just one of those a little bit of a rash because they got ahead of steam up. And I don't know what it felt like in the stadium, but, but the, the commentary were, were behaving like they'd already had 15 shots after three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's Gary Neville just being a dick. And yeah, yeah, he was, he's so awful how
3: players started to behave like that was what was happening. So there was a little <laughs> bit of panic going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we did take a few minutes to settle. That's I think it's to be fair, side, didn't we? And I was in, I was wanted to ask about how you thought we'd ended up settling, and then how we. I think I think it's fair to say for the majority of this game, I thought we were on top. It was a it was a close game. It was an evening game, but I thought we were we were on top for probably about an hour of the the ninety.
3: Uh, I would say that, but for the first, um, they had seven touches in, in our box and four shots. Um, uh, well, up until the, uh, 13th minute and then from the 13th minute, we dominated them basically. Yeah. Um, So yeah, up until then when, what did they score on? Oh, four. Um, yeah. So up until then we, we panicked. We basically had nothing going forward at all. Um, we'd had two touches inside their box. They had seven hours and four shots on target. Uh oh, four shots at the goal. So they were getting in they were cutting us, cutting into us.
1: And they only had they only had twenty eight percent. Pos- Arsenal only had twenty eight possession in that first twelve minute period.
3: Yeah, they had twenty five passes, we had sixty seven, but uh, we were, we had sixty seven passes exactly where they were wanted us to have. Yeah,
1: shots. sterile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and they were pressing us and and funneling us back through the goalie, back to, uh, and yeah, back to Canate. Go on, then have a t- have another touch. Uh, the Van Dijk and, and Ali had fifteen passes between them. Yeah, and Arsenal had twenty five in the whole thirteen minutes and created four shots.
1: Yeah, they were t- they were quite direct. It's fair to say, weren't they? Yeah, but, but not that? in a, but not in a long ball kind of way, just direct in terms of vertical passing and yeah.
3: And they they put a lot of players up the pitch um and they had a really high line and um and we, we it took a while for us to to calm our heads and stop them spinning.
1: Yeah. Um how did you think we got a grip of the game tactically? I think they got a little bit tired for a start.
3: Um, yeah. but one of the big moments was uh as, as we got a little bit more comfortable that um, that Trent was staying wide because he's got a winger out there for the whole time. So somebody has to pick him up. So instead of going, let me run inside for, for the first, yeah, it's not being yeah. his first thought. I think he was very cognizant that he had Martinelli Martinelli out there. Um, and Zobo was, was um, dropping in really well, I thought, alongside to help out. Um, he had a couple of a couple of interceptions and, and clearances inside the uh, inside our box, um, but there was a moment where they dropped their intensity dropped a little bit and our rotation through the six and the second six position to allow uh, shorter passes to be received from the fallback uh, from the centre backs. I think that changed, and then Trent started to come back come inside a little bit alongside Endo, and instead of endo dropping in between um Van Dijk and Canate the um the Trent started to push inside there uh, as well but i i actually think the biggest change of uh of momentum happened um because the brilliant pass the the uh the the Trent pinged and they they just got really fearful of Trent back then so uh, what happened was as soon as Trent gets the ball, they dropped about 10 yards which allowed him either to do the thing he wants to do or allowed a whole bunch of space to the eights
1: Um, I think it's fair to say sorry, that Trent this is one of Trent's best ever games on the ball, his levels of individual quality were so high in this match Yeah, I
3: I think he he made two of the best passes I've seen but in the same game Declan Rice who was lauded by uh, some of Liverpool fans but like he played nice uh, really good game he actually played uh, a Trent-like pass in the same game there were like three unbelievable passes but I remember having this conversation earlier in the season where Trent and then Zobbo and then Matt all played three of the best passes I've ever seen in my life yeah. so there seems to be a quarterback kind of I think we might be going through we haven't had a lot of this. The the when I was a kid, Hoddle was the guy that did this. Then Beckham in the nineties was the guy that would pick the ball up deep and ping 60 yard passes. Jan yeah, Molby. And well, yeah, Malby, no one's gonna remember him. But yeah, Moby used to do it. Um, but uh, not as good as Hoddle. He just didn't. And I yep. love Jan Molby. Um but, like, technically, they're able to control. It was almost like FIFA in that the, they had the, the right thumb button to control the ball while it's in flight after they had um, pinged it. Like, we have really, really good technical players that can make 40, 50-yard switches and, and uh, decisive through passes. But the thing Trent and Zobo done earlier in the season and then Decla Rice in this game was the fade that they put after the ball about. bounced. It was unbelievable. And the quality of this thing is new. I, I think it might be, we might be at a, a moment that uh, in the late 90s, no, the, the early noughties when Ronaldo changed how you kick a ball. I think we might be coming to that with Trent and how you can s- spray passes. I think the knuckling of how he is controlling a, a, a this long 50-yard pass, I think it's unique. I think it's new. And technically, this is going to be the, the Trent's legacy.
2: and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
1: Yeah, nice. Um, Hamza, um, so... This period after the after f- after 15 minutes, we have um, three big moments all down the right hand side of the Arsenal box. Starts with a um, should we call it a Salah's sitter for the for the goal he then scores, um, which was nice. Nice that was a nice it was a nice setup, wasn't it? Endo and it was just a
4: kind of a floated ball in, wasn't it? Yeah, this was the one that hit the uh, the side netting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on again, I, I don't think it's a particularly easy chance. I, I don't think you'd say he you expect he expects to score it every but, time. But um, on another day, he gets it on time. But
1: these but. are the chances because Arsenal give up so few chances. These are you know it's. It, it, I think we saw this firsthand, didn't we? That how how good Arsenal's defense is and how difficult it is
4: to create much of any substance against them. Uh, yeah. And, uh, what, what, what Salah does well, as in, uh, in this particular moment, I think, if I'm right, um, <laughs> Diaz and, and Gakpo occupy the, the back line and, and Salah doesn't commit to, to joining that yet. So, uh, the, the, the ball gets worked on the left side, uh, and then Jones ends up with it. And then he gives it to, to Endo on the left side of the penalty area. And then, uh, he picks his head up, uh, and that's when, um, yeah, there's a slight mix up between Zinchenko and, Gabriel with, uh, Gakpo between them. Uh, and Gakpo wins that, that header. And because Salah hasn't committed to that line already, what he's, he's actually done is sort of hanging a bit further back in the box, as in closer to Liverpool's own goal. Um, uh, and as the ball's floated in, then he makes his move forward. Um, and so, uh, in, in that moment, like, um, the, he was just in the space between the defensive line and the midfield line, just again, just asking that question of, Who's going to mark me? Who's going to commit to me? Hmm. Uh, do you want to commit to me? Cause I'm standing wide. I'm standing deep. Uh, and then when he becomes active, uh, he he, he be- becomes a challenge. Uh, so yeah, um, that was um, one of also one of a uh, few touches, uh, which I guess we'll. we'll one of his,
1: to. Fi- one of his five passes in 70 minutes. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll we'll come to Cody as, after, in second half. Um, but just do you want to talk us through then just after that, about a minute later, Um probably the biggest talking point of the whole match. Kamza.
4: Oh, is this our, uh, our yeah, handball
1: the, incident? Yeah. The Odegaard handball. How did it, can you just describe, um, the, um, what the sequence which led to it?
4: Oh yeah. So, um, uh, Liverpool on the break. And, uh, I remember, uh, Sa- uh, I think we, we drop off into a sort of, a just a sort of mid block near halfway. And Gabrielle tries to play a pass through midfield, uh, and Salah intercepts it, uh, Classic sort of uh, opportunity for a counter attack. Uh, Gakpo, Soboslai, uh, Diaz all break forward. And I think if. Actually, I've just got this up now. Uh, there are one, two, there are four Arsenal players in their half as Salah's just about to cross into their half and just Gakpo in their half. So it's a. Uh, there's four to one there. But behind that, there's uh, Salah, Soboslai, uh, and Diaz. And Salah's just running past Odegaard. Odegaard makes one tackle, uh, doesn't get the ball. Uh, Salah then. Gets the ball, runs over, uh, and Rice fouls him. So yeah, a uh, good move. Um, nice break. Uh, pretty standard defensive midfield sort of tactics. Break it up, get the foul, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then, uh, this is a, the free kick is, um, Simikas and Trent together clip the ball forward. Jesus blocks it. And, <laughs> um, this is just a really bad decision. Um, I don't really think there's much, mit- there isn't any mitigation here because, even if the referee misses it, uh, there's, there's a linesman. I think a lot of people forget that, um, you don't just have the referee in the bar. You have the linesman, the other linesman and the, yeah. the fourth official. And this so not just for this incident, but for all incidents, right? And they, they can communicate and talk about any incident they see and flag it. Uh, this one is, 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 is so bad. Um, Salah takes a touch around Odegaard with spin. So it's going to come back in, uh, as Salah runs around him, so he's probably going to take his touch and then get a shot off, or take a shot off first time if he can run around the ball well enough. But pretty much there's no one else there, and uh, nope. guy just, just blocks it with his hand. Uh, there's some talk about slipping, but um, the well, more... Gary Neville being a knob, we're going to ignore that, because th- just, it's just Gary Neville being I a think knob. To, um, to, I think Klopp mentioned after the match, um, Dominic Gallagher would try and make an excuse up on, on TV Following on on the ref watch program that Sky do, and um Dermot Gallagher uh, was pretty clear. It's like, yeah, that that's a penalty. I don't know how they've given that. And just, and if and if Dermot Gallagher saying that, Demet tends to sort of support the on field decision. Yeah. It's, it's quite clear that that's a really really big error. So we're gonna we're
1: gonna come on to um accidental in the Burnley match. Whether you know accidental, just just it doesn't matter how you got into that position. The fact is, it's hit your hand, it's handball. So it doesn't matter. I don't know why even Gary Neville even starts talking about slipping. It's it's irrelevant. It's, it hits his hand and it stops it going through. And the only reason it stops Salah being cleaned through is by hitting his hand. So, yeah. Um. um, si, um is this our second apology from Pogamol this season or third? Uh, we didn't get one. I thought we got an apology. Oh, nice. sorry. Thank you. Um, oh sorry <laughs> we've, we've sorry. had two but sorry. this was a fake
3: apology it wasn't real okay. but The, the uh, sadly you're incorrect about the slipping um, it's it actually does play a role because of their stupid subjective um, so handball is allowed if you slip it then um, no but it's a, it is your arm in a natural position and right. if you slipped then that accounts for a different a different position for your arm to be in. And okay. so that's that's an extra layer of subjectivity from people that aren't experts in body movement at all. And um, so you can I've seen so many free kicks and, and uh potential handballs in the past that um and penalties given by people jumping and using their arms to jump. And how can where's his arm supposed to go? Because he's jumping, which is absolutely true because you use your arms to get um leverage to uh, leave the leave the ground and referees give that because that's an unnatural position because the arm's above the head when it's absolutely natural position to get your arm above your head to jump. Um, and in this case, he just saved the fucking ball. It was natural because he made a save. It was nothing to do with slipping, but because they used the term slipping and it opened a doorway for them um, to use whatever I don't know covering of referee's asses that they like to do these days with VAR um, instead of just getting a decision right, it's all oh, it's it, that there is a shadow of doubt that potentially we we're um, he could be slipping. So does that cover the arm position? Does that make it natural? He's putting his hand towards the ground because he's slipping over. Mm. The bottom yeah. line is, the, the handball rule is absolute garbage. It feels like it's written by 50-year-old knitters that have never watched football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but
1: it's pretty emphatic. In this case, it's
3: absolutely arguable, sadly, because there was a lot of slipping going on in the game. I'm fairly sure we probably caused it ourselves by the amount of watering of the pitch because mm.
1: there was loads of slipping going well, on. Well, I don't know, because it, that looked like it a pretty emphatic a uh, handball to me. Oh
3: yeah. no, no, no no I'm not arguing against that at all. He he moved his arm to save the ball. Yeah. But he definitely also slipped at the same time. Yeah. But that wasn't the reason why he saved the ball. He saved the ball cuz he saved the ball.
1: Yeah. Well, fortunately um it didn't take us long before we actually equalized um and say and it was one of the best goals um I can never, I can remember seeing uh, in you we Mo Salah has scored some amazing goals Trent Alexander has assisted some amazing goals this was them both at the same time in the same move it was just glorious
3: yeah is this this is the stuff that we've talked about for years Brent to Mo the one of the great passes you'll ever see um, and Mo sitting down a full back and blamming one into the top corner. Uh, yeah.
1: Near post, near post, not far post, like he normally no, does isn't yeah. it? Exactly. The but
3: he's, he's actually scored if you go back uh, amongst his goals because Mo's actually got way more great goals than people give him credit for. Um, he's he's scored near post loads of times, and he's done this thing loads of times, and it's like, ah, oh, Zinchenko's shit. Mo, like it was incidental that it happened to be Mo Salah. Yeah, uh, it's just that it was anybody. The ball was because, passed because, right yeah. because Zinchenko is shit. The ball was past
1: ray before he could even react. It Unbelievable
3: was pass. Zinchenko was showing him onto his right foot and he sat him down because he's a brilliant footballer yeah. that, that has a massive history of doing this exact thing. Mm-hmm. And the goalie could do nothing about it because he was going far post because that's what Mo Salah does. And then with his eyes, go aiming for the top corner in the far post, he slotted it near post into the top corner instead mm-hmm. at like 78 miles per hour. Yeah, ah, oh, them apples. What
2: are you supposed to do with
3: it?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was, it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goal. Absolutely fantastic goal. Um, Hamza, um, I thought the other than the the breakaway Arsenal chance, which kind of probably generated a lot more X- xt than xg. I would have thought you know just before the half, we we really came on strong for the re- for the rest of the first half here, and Arsenal were getting a bit sloppy um the press was working well we were generating some high turnovers i mean i think mark stats has got us down as eight in the match with one leading to a goal it's actually it's such a shame we don't have our own pressing anymore because i think it would have been a huge story in this match at least until jones went off um but hamza i thought we we we, yeah, we, we came on strong for the rest of the half uh
4: yeah and that, that chance run about is when saka went through right
1: yeah, and it kind of runs across and they don't get a shot and then it runs and they get a half shot off it and yeah, it mm. just
4: then there's a bit of chaos, isn't there? Yeah, I think, uh, Martin Ali, uh, mm. his first, so Alison dives for the ball. Well, actually, to, to, to preface this, um, Simikas is already injured and he's come off, so Gomez has come on. Oh, Gomez, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, It's a, it's quite a difficult situation to come on, uh, as a sub in, into a game of this speed. And I think it took Gomez a, just a few minutes to, to get up to speed, just because the intensity of it. Uh, um, so, uh, and in, 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 that instance, um, he, he's on the left side. And he's dealing with Saka. Saka plays through onto let me just see, place a pass. So uh, Jesus is passing. Jesus drops in, uh, place pass forward. Um, Saka gets in, uh, Allison comes forward, tries to smother and then dive, uh, but, um, Saka takes his touch away. I, I think there might be an opportunity there to to, to go down for a penalty. Uh, I'm I'm not too sure. Might be that Allison pulls his his, his arms away. Uh, but I think if Saka really wanted to initiate contact, he could have gone into Allison and gone down and probably would have earned a penalty. But yeah, they, they, they don't get a shot, uh, a shot from that situation. And then when Martin only comes on to rebound, his first touch isn't great. And then he slips and yeah. then, uh, he shoots, uh, while the post, but otherwise, yeah, uh, that was the only sort of moment, uh, in that half, in the first half where it felt like, um, where, where Liverpool didn't didn't have the sort of uh, the, the best of it. Uh, yeah. Other, otherwise, uh, Liverpool were really on top. And the, the one thing I think it might be worth getting into is, in, uh, I, I'm sure Arsenal would have known that, well, they would have recognised pretty soon uh, into the match that Alexander-Arnold was coming in field and beginning to take play from there. But the, I think what they would have been worried about is, um, for example, if you try and stick a man on, Trent the whole time and he just yeah. goes wide uh then he's just dragged let's say let's say Trent comes infield uh, between the two center backs and the instruction then becomes Jesus can you follow him wherever he goes yeah to make sure that he doesn't have the opportunity to to, to pick passes to Salah uh, then in that situation he probably just pulls to the right back area and takes the striker with him in which case now you've got a free pass straight through the middle of the pitch or someone else has to compensate and they don't want to compensate by going man to man because you want to have an extra player at the back to deal with the front three because um, even if Diaz and Gakko aren't playing well, it's still a quick front line, a strong front line, and a front line that can that in one-on-one situations, uh, in if you've got Diaz in a one-on-one or Salah in a one-on-one, uh, as a defending team, as a defending coach, you're not going to be comfortable with that situation happening uh, very often. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think that was one of the, the, the questions that w- was posed and... Uh, yeah, we dealt with with that quite well.
1: Um, and I think just coming to the other side of half time as well, Hamza, I mean, one of the I think the one of the biggest periods in this in this say this fourth between, say, 30 and 70 minutes, um, the, the role of Jones and Endo together in centre mid was extremely effective. And I think it's fair to say that this game um has been a, a turning point in a lot how a lot of fans have um seen and appraising Endo because he's he's shown he can play in a in a huge game to a very high level.
4: Mm, hundred uh, percent, and uh, you can see if if any sort of um, anyone that's listening in has the time, you can just check on the uh, the match momentum plots, which usually uses uh, XT. So if you're on the football yeah, yeah. one, you can see uh, after that first period of Arsenal sort of in the first thirteen minutes. Well, first five minutes sorry uh, uh from then onwards uh you have quite sort of pronounced periods of um liverpool dominance and and endo was important to that because um the way that he received and played pre- uh, played through uh was was quite well i think he made uh he attempted 48 passes completely 42 uh, it was just clean uh and, and sharp stuff a few passes into final third as well and i think i think he made a couple of long passes as well uh, but it was the, the defensive all round stuff. So I'll just uh, run through the stats again. Three out of three tackles, one clearance, yeah. one headed clearance, two interceptions, uh, five recoveries, uh, six, six duels won, yeah. uh, five duels lost. Yeah. A, a really, um, rounded performance. Uh, and, yeah. uh, it, it, I mean, if you look at, how if you look at liverpool's xt in the past few matches and, and since endo has be- become a more sort of a regular option that xt difference has been creeping up yeah uh and you can see that as in when you've got all these wonderful attacking players and you put a a, a six that can do the job of a six and stop forcing uh someone like mcallister or subaslai uh or whomever to 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 fill in in those positions and let the other players do their job, uh, you can see the team as a as a unit functioning better. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so, can I, I
3: mean- can I stump in here? I I would like this, maybe two two minutes on the question. What is a six? What is he doing? Because he, he he's got in the last two weeks a, a lot of love. It's like suddenly we've found peak Fabinho statistically <laughs>
1: nothing backs that up at all. Yeah.
3: What is he doing?
1: I th- so what I was going to he... ask, yeah, I, what I was going to say was, I don't think he's doing anything which he's doing, which is particularly outstanding. I think he had a very good game against Arsenal. Um, and I think what worked well for me was, I was going to ask you about, was the platform that we used to see when we were at our peak in terms of our, Pressing and our pressing intensity and traps, the what the role that Jones and Endo did was very complementary in that shield sort of about the you know the edge of the centre circle inside the Arsenal half and winning those balls back and the pressing the counter pressing from those two I thought as a pair say si, I thought that was particularly good.
3: Would would be interesting if we got uh, our pressing data, wouldn't it? Mm. I think that's the only
1: thing that would that would validate the the narrative. Um, but didn't I, he think he was part of... In this match, he was part of a, a very effective I think team he did a nice and job. system. I, yeah. I'm not saying he didn't do a nice job at all. I just don't see the brilliance yet.
3: I don't know. It's not It's not even about him. I don't see the massive impact he's having.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with Hamza that our, our XT is gradually improving defensively, um, but I'm, I'm not going to attribute... It's such a small sample. It's yeah, I'm not going to... yeah, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, so I'm not going to attribute... Yeah, the, you know, some people have got to say, yes, yeah, because of the six. Uh, but there's a, I think there's other reasons as well. But
3: uh... Maybe it's because Jones is playing fullback. Jomez is playing fullback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because CJ's on the pitch. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't think it can be because we can just attribute all, all to Endo playing as a six because he comes as a six. I think one of the things he is doing differently to McAllister is that he is dropping between the centre-backs a little bit more and uh allowing Trent a little bit more space and i i don't know if that is making us more secure defensively i think it might actually be making
1: trent make better choices but but, but uh, it's also don't you think say si, that you know at the, at the start of the season with the inversion of the trent role it was so forced and you you, you were saying it all the time it's like he's literally but that's trent that's not about a six. No, but it but it imbalanced the whole system. What I'm saying is now now is that the, the the it's just more practiced because this is like halfway through the season now, plus the all the Europa League campaign and and and, and I think everybody involved has got a lot more familiar with what the 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 overall system Maybe is trying to do. Maybe the system got better. Yeah, yeah. The Maybe
3: better
1: doing the system. Yeah, but it's more practiced. So yeah, and like and, I, I, and we're going to talk bit again in the Burnley game is that. Trent's not trying to do the same things as he was at the start of the season and just trying to just illustrate the straight away. Not and... the
3: start of the season. I I I spent 20 minutes rambling about him 3
1: weeks ago. Yeah, he did, yeah. But yeah, we're seeing more variety in the in the in, in recent matches, aren't we?
3: Yeah, I did. It's still I even though I, I I'm still not beyond this. I think it's maybe 3 games where he's and, and each of those three games have had specific reasons why. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that if this is how it's ho- going on, I hope so. Isn't it but horses for courses? Sure. Isn't it horses for courses, do we think? Maybe, but like three games is not enough evidence. No, no that's true. When there are yes. specific reasons why.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, but I wanted to, you know, I thought Gags was really um, happy about how we were pressing. In the group, I was going to ask him if he was going to collect the, the data for us, but uh, there you go. It was Christmas, <laughs> That's how we didn't. Um, but um, it was just a shame that maybe it wasn't clicking as well up front for us, as you know, we had this really good system in place and really good pressing performance. Say, si, but there was two real weak links in that front three on the ball, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, we do. We we. We're not fine. We're not making great decisions. I also think in in the second game we were getting more people uh, in be- better positions around the box than we were against Arsenal because we were a little bit rubbish. Yeah, it, probably because they're rubbish, and probably because we thought we 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 were just more convinced that uh, the back door was closed than against Arsenal and you're right because they've got much better players so we are less worried and and gonna you know uh one of our players is more willing to make a five yard uh run for further forward than they would would have been against Arsenal because they knew they would have to make that 10 yards back um so th- this this all, all plays part of it and the the intensity is much higher against Arsenal the turnovers are much higher against Arsenal the speed of pass has to be much higher against Arsenal. Um, and you know you're going to get the ball back against Burnley. That's, that's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. But we've gone through a significant... We've talked about this last week, I'm sure, that our, our, well, four of our five forwards, one of them was injured and then the other three, were largely dross um, yeah. since the international break. So mm-hmm. it's coming back from the brilliance of the international break full of momentum from playing against mm-hmm. the best in the world. Um all like Gakpo, Darwin
1: and Diaz, all of them were coming back on a high. Hmm. Uh, and, then, and then But nothing. for most but for most of this match, we only had one street baller on the pitch. Yeah.
3: Which is probably why the system looked like it was functioning better.
1: <laughs> but it's fair to say that I don't think Luis or Cody had particularly good games at all. In fact they were yeah, it was I think am I mean, being harsh to say that the game passed Cody by?
3: We, we've we've been of this opinion uh, on a number of occasions about him, but we were so we weren't, but the world was so happy to to uh afford credit to Man United and how they managed to make us not win. Arsenal really, really, really good.
1: Yeah, Arsenal we've got good. Really, Man United really,
3: really good players all over the pitch. Yeah.
1: Okay, but you know, in those games, you know, you need your best players to stand up. You do. You need you need them in form, and they didn't look in form at all. Yeah. They, so you yeah. you're you're not ruling out that Cody Gakpo couldn't say play a really good role in a game against Arsenal in the future. Oh no, no not at all. Okay. All right. Um, should we talk about um, the subs? Say, this was the biggest consequence of the Villa game, right? We have to. We were playing really well, and then we have to for uh, reasons. Oh, actually, I haven't even mentioned mentioned about the um, um, the injury. Um, do we know? Do we? Is it confirmed fracture?
3: Uh, Yes, it's definitely fracture. Uh, And because nothing, uh, because nothing else has broken since then uh, in terms of news. That, so he didn't go in and have surgery. That I'm thinking he's he, he'll probably be
1: back by February. Do you think it's hairline? So at some point in February. Do you think it's a hairline fracture, then something rather than a big no, one? No, no, no. So, so it's it's.
3: I don't know how you, how much you guys know about human biology. It's um. Think of a light bulb, or no? Think of a fuse, right? So to stop your house from blowing up, if there's, if there's a shock of energy, the fuse yeah. snaps. Yep, yeah, you yeah. have the right, the right amplitude in that in that fuse so that it, it, yeah. it stops at the right point before you cause a fire. That's the exact job of uh, collarbone. So you fall, you put your arm down. It's literal job is to take that force, displace the force by cracking uh, to to stop serious injury in your chest or in your neck. And that's exactly what it did, and it heals really, really quickly. Yeah. So it is a break, but it's the best bone in the body to break if you're going to break one because it's kind of designed to do exactly that. And the others are designed to create structure. This is caused to be is literally
1: designed to be a circuit breaker. So this is why uh, this is why everybody listens to under pressure because this is the kind of stuff you don't get anywhere else. This is like being back in school. Thank you, say. (laughs) But but I think it's fair to say that Jurgen is a big guy, (laughs) and anybody. I reckon he must be at least hundred kilos, safe. The, the, the injury happened before Jurgen. No, oh, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah, was it wasn't, wasn't Jurgen, big Jurgen. It, it, it it'd, it'd already broken
3: hand. before he touched Jurgen. Oh, okay. So so you break a clavicle. Basically, if you put if you if you put your arm into a press-up position now. Yeah. yeah. So arm right in front of you, if if you fell forward and land on the floor with your hand. That force there, this, that's transferred uh, into the floor, shoots up your arm, and it's got to go somewhere, and your shoulder will go back. Or if it's if your if your shoulder is slightly turned out, you break your collarbone. And and it was just from a landing position. So him rotating and landing down his whole body weight on his arm, it got nothing to do with Jurgen.
1: Okay, that's good.
3: But At it looks Jürgen...
1: like it—it it, it was when Jurgen fell on it, but it was definitely. Yeah, great. it looked like some kind of WWE wrestling move off the top rope or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, can I just say that when I when I had my most serious injury, when I did exactly what you were describing, I my humerus broke completely in half, and wow. it wasn't my collar blown. So yeah. There you go. It doesn't. Look, it's not always the collarbone. Mine was a clean break of the humerus. Jesus <laughs> so.
3: Christ! You've you've got you've got some mineral deficiencies, young man.
1: Yeah, but this was like twenty years ago. Like you know, so right. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the subs. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't it was a direct consequence of the um, the Villa game. Yeah, um, and I think any we didn't ha- we didn't look very good at all, did we? After the subsite.
3: No. So, so, so we've been in a fortunate position. I think Jürgen's uh, been in a for- fortunate position where we've got actual talent on the bench. You've got a pool of talent that can change uh, the system, the structure, the attacking flow of a game and defensive control if you need throughout the season. But right now we're playing with a hair on fire because you've got so many games and the whole, this is the most injuries we, we had. So we go into the game with seven injuries. We've had seven injuries for three weeks now. Um it, we've we, last season we had thirteen at varying points, so that's not a high number. Given that two of them are kids that aren't playing anyway, but it's it's the positions of those. So so we've got certain positions that we have like real concerns with, and we've got a low volume of players that can share the minutes. They've got to play. They've, you've got we've got to get them all up to a uh, hundred minute chronic load. And that's what he's trying to do right now. So, so he's trying to manage game state and the tactical strategies going on within, the, within that at the same time as the priority of who's getting what minutes has gone above that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So previous this season, he's wanting to keep players topped up at, and fresh, but the strategy was above that in his decision-making process right now to the way around. Yeah. So, so he's trying to get the the right str- uh, strategical outcomes of what how he wants to change a game, but he knows what on that bench who needs to come on at the net, at sixty and who needs to be coming off at sixty. Yeah, and um, and so
1: yeah, that it's that's- just a shame. It's just a shame. I we we all agree with what would with what the goal is here, you know, for the whole campaign. But it's such a monumental six pointer, wasn't it? And we were on top, and then it literally just. All dissipated almost, although not quite. Welcome to talk to Hamza about the, I, I thought, the massive
3: I thought chance. Harvey, I thought Harvey had his, his worst sub appearance. Grav was terrible. Grav, Grav had a, a possession control of possession control ninety. If you extrapolate his minutes over a ninety minute, so he's, he
1: played half an hour, didn't he? I think. Or? Yeah, he'd have
3: minus fifty four. Fucking. That hell. means he gave he would have given the ball away fifty four times more than winning it.
1: God. I remember Jota having one that was close to that level last season.
3: Yeah, he had a horrendous game. But Darwin, <clears throat> Darwin's terribleness was around 34. Um and this season he's way better than that. Like way better than that. Um Trent Trent's typically, you think the risk reward of Trent, um, and he is around a twenty-two to twenty-seven, depending on on the day and how long his passes are. But also, or, like you're going to counter that with Trent has 130 touches in the game, yeah. so he's going to lose 25 of them. And but he's also creating 1.6 XT from those passes or whatever. And and Grav in this game just gave the ball away and then pr- uh, he just pranced around like a prima donna Let's move on waving my- his arms around, <laughs> shouting at people instead of going to win it back. And it's one of the it's 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 like um, etched in stone rules of being in this squad. You lose the ball; it's yeah, it your back. job to go get it back instantly.
1: Yeah, and that was the thing I thought was the most egregious. There was at least two to where he just stood and that, waved his arms in the air. Yeah, like, so and that's stop. the kind of thing that makes you, you have know, to be captain of Liverpool for ten years to be able to do that. <laughs> As I say, if you, you normally you end up in Klopp's dungeon for about three months if you do that. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. No what Choice. Happens yeah let's see what happens um hamza now i'm saying we're saying all this that you know the, the subs took the momentum out of the game however after the subs we still had a monumental chance to win the match
0: hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index we don't just have the anfield index stuff we've got epl index as well which covers the entirety of on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, this was uh, this is about as big a chance as you'll see anyone get against Arsenal this season uh, yeah. from the set-piece. From an uh, Arsenal set piece. From an Arsenal set piece. Uh, this is, and I think people remember that this is something that Liverpool. We've done it to like Arsenal do before. Yeah, yeah, not Salad. just Arsenal, but breaking on from an opponent set piece is something Liverpool. I mean, we scored against West Ham doing that. But then we uh, did it Salah's first season in in the in
1: the September, one of the first goals Salah got. Oh for you. yes, of course. Direct for a corner against Arsenal. Yeah.
4: Um, but yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> This is, yeah, this is uh, really quite bad. Uh, so um, there's a little mix-up uh, on the edge of the area. As uh, So uh, as well, people will know, uh, just playing sort of um, 11-a-side Sunday League, uh, typically over the past sort of uh, however many years people have been playing, there's usually a guy or two positions on the halfway line. Uh over the past five, ten years, teams have moved away from that because you 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 gain more from having those players in the box or around the edge of the box with the second balls. Uh pretty much the, the, the guy on the on the halfway line doesn't add much at all and you're probably actually losing a marginal sort of advantage by having them position there. Uh but the idea is that the two blockers or three blockers on the edge of the box do their job. But in this this instance, uh I believe Van Dyke wins the first contact. Uh, I'm just checking now. Uh, no, it's, a, it's Gomez at the near post. Uh, and then Zinchenko and uh, And Zinchenko had a terrible, terrible game because I think earlier as well, there was a break which didn't amount to anything. But um, it was where Trent was playing deep, played forwards, Soboslai beat his man. Uh, and there. But uh, the, I think Gabriel passed back to Zinchenko and then Salah dispossessed him and then laid the break. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah. I would take... Then... That mistake happens, and you've got a four-on-one situation. A 5 yeah. on well, five-on-two. Five five one, one, it becomes five-on-one. Uh, so you've got uh, Nunez on the left the Salah. Salah breaks down the middle, then Harvey Elliott, then Ryan Gravenberg, and then uh, Trent. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Trent coming from the Trent's speed here, his top speed, was just mm. phenomenal, wasn't it? And I think so. I think everyone has seen it. knows There's a little bubble, but I think as well. So if you compare this shot to the one that he did against Leicester, yes, Um, I think was it three seasons ago. It was a week. Yeah, before. when we won got, the league, yeah, yeah. And big. he got he got like twenty-one points on Fantasy Football. It was the best Fantasy Football game we've ever seen from a right back. <laughs> And uh, what he did in that moment was uh, before he took the shot, he actually slowed down. And because he slowed down, he was able to hit, uh, just take the pace off the ball and hit it clean and true and low. And I think that's probably the shot that he should have done here. Uh, but because he's, he's sprinting, and if, he, uh, as you know, if, if you're sprinting, Onto a shot, you've just got energy in your legs, and that energy has to go somewhere. Uh, so he, he, he's absolutely hammered this ball, and it's taken the bobble, so it's a crossbar. Yeah, yeah. Um But he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go laces, though, did he? he went side foot. No, yeah, kind of? yeah, he went with the side foot, but yeah. there's just so much so energy. The last one was the last one was laces, wasn't it? Um, I think he got over the top of it, but mm. but in the moment before he takes that shot, you see him slow, as most people do before a shot. But he, he he had an extra second in that one where he really slowed down, got on top of it, uh, and then was able to place it. Uh, this one bubbles up. Uh, and like I said, he, he's he's just sprinted from his own box. Uh, and anyone that does that, there's just a little bit of fatigue as you run from end to end. Uh, so when you're reaching for the ball, there's that extra bit of energy and that fatigue that have come together. So you're you've got you're carrying that energy because you're sprinting, but you're also a bit fatigued because you've been running for 80 yards. Uh, and he just, yeah. He he lets fly, uh, hits a crossbar. It would have been a a great break and a great goal, but um, yeah, Yeah. just a bit unlucky on that one.
1: So, have you got, um, have you got any physical stats on um, from your magic login on this one, on the kilometres per hour or anything? He he clocked
3: thirty-eight point
1: four kilometres per hour as a top speed. Thirty-eight. Yep. Thirty-eight point four. That's going to be the. That's a record. That's like Kyle Walker speed, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it's Walker. It's not quite Kyle Walker speed, but it's Darwin speed. Thirty-eight. Jesus Christ! Uh, Why wow. do you not see him? He, he made five meters on Darwin.
1: Yeah, I just do, can't do, believe that. Those
3: Darwin. I, Darwin should never have allowed um, Saliba back. Like he he got two meters ahead of Saliba, and he allowed Saliba ahead of him. Which is so, a little bit weak. I thought Salah's fastest was like
1: 36.5k. No, 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 no. Salah's been faster than Darwin last season. Right. Because the one with with, with Darwin last season, that was about 365 And you're saying Trent was 38.4k? Yeah, top in Fucking three. hell. Unbelievable. Um, would you have wanted um, Salah to lay that ball off to anybody else? Uh, any, uh, well, t- or, I think Trent t- was the best option, for right? Like, all of them should have scored. Yeah. But Trent was the best one we wanted it to go to, wasn't it? And it was just but, such a yeah, yeah. in all honesty, that's the narrative. But like he's he's a bloody fullback There's
3: that's got great technique. But as if Gravenberg can't score that, as if Dar- as if Harvey couldn't have scored that, as if Darwin couldn't score that. All of them, all of them were equally um I don't know, like had equal chance of scoring or hitting a post. But well, just, um,
1: just just imagine if Mo had laid that off to Darwin and Darwin had missed
3: the cop the cop would have sang his name
4: <laughs> we haven't mentioned uh, Declan Rice here, obviously, uh, well, which I set up as in. But as in, <laughs> but no, as in uh, the, the key point here is actually it's, it's just a Liverpool messing up and not taking a chance, rather than some sort of defensive masterclass. But by Declan Rice, as, as I said at the beginning, um, uh, having that player usually doesn't add any value at all um, to um, defending counters. I mean, it was five on one anyway, or, four, or five on two. So yeah, um, any any social media sort of. Um, People telling you that it's yeah, but that's uh, the difference.
1: That's, between, so, that's the difference between social media banter and actual looking <laughs> at what, what players actually bring to teams. And you know, mm. Arsenal have got a historically good defensive records this mm. season, and um, yeah, that's all they that's all. De- yeah, you need to know about how good Declan Rice is. But so, if Declan Rice had a really good game that had nothing to do with him, mm. yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Anything
4: else that also got uh, uh, had a really good game. Uh, Canate had to deal with Gabriel Martinelli a lot um, at, uh, when um, on the break, and I thought he dealt with him really yeah. well. Yeah, it was one it tackle in particular stats. which was so well timed. But yeah, well, that, 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 that
3: tackle in uh, particular, that tap- tackle in particular, the one inside the box.
1: No, the one. Mean, this was one out near the halfway um, near uh,
3: the circle. Well,
4: early on this one, I think. Yeah, sort of yeah. Set, set the tone, sort of one. Yeah, it was really good.
3: Uh, but, uh, which he's great at and being front foot. And it's yeah. being front foot that, that cost him being mar- marking Gabriel in the first place um, and cost a free kick, which they scored from. Um, the, it's weird that I thought we're surrounded by narratives. This game had one of those. Mo wasn't very good in this game, apart from his goal and the big chance he created for Trent.
1: But that was the narrative. and this and Moe the one where he hit the side netting in as well. So yeah, he had all our best attacking moments, but he and still didn't Darwin was
3: and and Canate was brilliant and the best player on the pitch and showed like he's the best French se- uh, defender in the world. Apart from his mistake, literally led to the goal. Yeah, and Mo's rubbish. Apart from the actual brilliant goal he scored, I think my point is only that we can really, in being clever. About the process and about what, you know, understanding the game. I think sometimes we can weight that above the actual thing that happens sometimes. Does that make sense? Hmm. In football, as you like to talk about all the time, Darth, is a very low scoring game. Yeah. Those scoring or conceding, they should grossly outweigh the other stuff.
1: Yeah. And that's why mistakes um, matter unfortunately
3: yeah 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 so <clears> quickly <throat> before we finish Arsenal um, there's, there's uh, another handball in this game that that absolutely no one talked about and I, it drives me crazy um, ha- Harvey had a shot went was like that the from, one
1: that hit the was that the one that clipped the post uh,
3: it went just wide for a corner right. and it came off Ga- uh, Gabriel's elbow okay and he did have his arms down by his side but he manoeuvred his arm to touch the ball.
1: So he motioned towards it, yeah?
3: I don't care if your arms are behind, by your side. If you dive at the ball and your elbow is the thing that prevents it going in, that's handball. Yeah. yeah. And nobody talked about it. It's just so... <laughs> good. The whole handball thing is just so bizarre to me. I don't understand. It's another thing that the, the world has gone, oh, we're so clever. Because when I was a kid... Ball hits your hand in the box, it's a penalty. The only thing you're disputing is how unlucky you are. But it's okay. always a penalty. If the ball hit your hand, bad luck, it's
1: a penalty. Um, I just realised after all, all those um, excitement of talking about this game, I never even gave the match summary from So <laughs> Just to finish off then for the Arsenal game, it was about as close to the match as you're going to see. It was 51-49% possession to us, 13 shots each. Uh, the average across the five models we used on the non-penalty XG was 0.95 for us, 0.86 for Arsenal. Both sides had very low shot quality, 0.07. Um, Arsenal won the shots on target three to two, shots in the box Arsenal won nine to eight. Big chances was one each. Touches in the penalty touch, touches in the penalty box was 27 to 24 in our favour. Um, so, yeah, it was literally a 50 50 game um, between two very, very good teams. Um, Hamza, uh, anything else you want to cover before we move on?
4: Uh, the last thing I'll say is just the, it's another game where the X, because I think Barts would have mentioned this, it's another game where the XT has uh, exceeded the XG. So, just turning those. Uh, yes. The, those opportunities into into actual goal scoring chances is, is a bit of a thing. So I think, uh, yeah, if yes. you include the Burnley game, which we'll go on to. Um, yeah, let's do that then. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's four matches in a row uh, where the XT has been higher than the XG and the previous match of that was, oh no, actually, it's five, including the Sheffield. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's five matches, including five in a row now, that the XT4 has been higher than the XG4. Uh, no, yeah. it's four. I was wrong, sorry. it's It's, it's four. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, n- not ideal. But um, no, we can but, talk about the general
1: stodginess mm-hmm. again. Um, and then we come into the Burnley game. Um, mm-hmm. So, si, um we talked about three days between West Ham and Arsenal. There's another three days between um, Arsenal and Burnley, um, and more rotation.
3: Yeah, it's, it's how we're rolling. Uh, you know, we, we when we talked about uh, subs and and uh, using that to mitigate load and balancing yeah. all that stuff out, right? Here's a little bit of context um that over the last five seasons, the exact same block so so uh from last international bit. break to FA Cup exactly well to the game before the FA Cup <coughs> yeah so so we're up to this game so the 10 games after the international break yeah um the 1920 uh, great season 735 minutes were shared amongst the subs 811. Uh, oh, and I also contextualised this with the number of injury games missed through injury. So, nineteen twenty, we had we had eighty-one games missed through injury at this point. So, we've got a fit team that we didn't rotate that much, and we that we shared this. We uh, so seventy-three minutes basically a game was spent on on subs. Yeah, yeah. Um, the. Uh, 2021, we had 167 games missed their injury, so double. Uh, yeah, only 81 minutes per game. Um, we We're spending our subs. uh 21, 22 we had 657 minutes, so 66 minutes per game with 131 injuries. Last season, 840, so 84 minutes per game with 197 games injured this season do you want to guess how many minute how many sub minutes we used um 800 so peak of 841 last season 1347 wow wow and 121 injuries so we've got the second fewest injuries in the last 5 years that we've had games missed through injury um so this isn't a big injury problem for us this season um we've not been unfortunate through injury let's just say that um and we're we're basically double um the number of minutes used because i think we've probably had an uptick in our uh, the quality of our recruitment That's, that 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 would be my guess
1: yeah so so Jurgen has a better pool to switch from and he's been smarter about who he's switching so Gomez was back starting, Kwanzaa was back in for Ibu. um, Grav was back in for Jones, Elliot was in for um from the start again, and then Nunes was back in for, for Diaz, and Cody started again up front. Yeah. Um so this I'll just do the quickly do the match summary, because while I said the Arsenal game was uh, as close as you get, the, this one uh, this one wasn't. So uh, it was uh, 1.7 expected goals across the models for us, 0.9 for Burnley. Um, It was 19 shots to nine in our favour, 10 shots to zero on target. Um, It's not often um, we concede zero shots on target. In in fact, it was the first time in the Premier League this season. Um, Shots shots in the box was 12 to five in our favour. Big chances was two each um and the um but the shot shot quality was poor again uh, again only 8.9% average for us that's 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 a percentage point below league, league average shot quality and it was 10% for burnley which is bang on and i guess one of the, the really concerning things is that will comment started to allude to it is over the last 8 games our big chance difference uh, since Brentford, yeah, is 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 minus one. Um, so we've we've created one fewer big chance than we've conceded, which is quite something, really, considering our big chance difference for the first eleven games was seventeen. Um, yeah, so we've we've gone from really creating big chances for fun, and that first eleven games we were. Um, averaging three and a half big chances a game. And in the last eight, we're down to uh, 2.1. So there's a big, big drop-off in the attack. Um, And we'll we'll come on to that generally um, as we go through this. So, um, Si, I mean, (laughs) this... This, I've seen some various things said about this match. Producer Guy um, said it was horrific um, as we were coming in. Um, you're not, you're not so um, down on it, are oh, you? Thought it was, you thought we were pretty good, right? I, I get the impression.
3: Yeah, I, I thought we were. I, I don't think we were great, but I thought we were as good as you could expect at this point of the season. Considering
1: we are in the grind, as we, you know, right now to put him up with his performance in the grind. Do you think? Yeah, Absolutely, you think- I think given
3: small two inches of difference in this game for if nothing else changed i think we could have won by four or five or six i think we could have easily battered them we were very very close to unlocking them and i think in the last five games we had uh, a couple of games where we scored freak goals from outside the box yeah um but we've not been opening anybody up and I think our process of getting into the box and creating creating um movement and um patterns that we deliberately practiced to get us into specific areas of the pitch and to get into specific areas within the box were much better
1: in this game than they had been for weeks. So what did, what was it that you particularly liked? We and I've come we, on to you, Hamza, asking the same question. I thought is the opposite of
3: Man United. Okay. I think against Man United, we were we. They wanted to defend their box, the width of their box, and we tried. We interchanged so much that we were just creating a rut between the centre circle and the the attacking D. We weren't moving the ball outside of that zone at all. It was like uh, American football, and it, it was like watching eighties rugby, just following along the scrum. And in this game, we had we had players in all the zones at all times. So the system came first. Trent wasn't just wandering off, coming inside, and nobody was out there covering the space. There, uh, at no moment did did um, was Mo coming in, and there was no eight to go and replace him. So there was always somebody on both touch lines. I think the one thing we could have done a little bit quicker, a little bit better, speed of speed of play is what next is uh, switch. That would have been my my one criticism, if anything. Uh, uh, the rest of it is just a little bit of finishing and luck with the referee.
1: Yeah, um, Hamza, same to you. What did you what did you think um, generally about this game for us? And did you and how much did you like our performance?
4: i thought it was good um i think it's also important to preface that with that, that this is the league's uh bunny team i think burnley are perfectly set up for a team like liverpool or city or arsenal to just take apart um they they they, they, they did dispatch the championship but they're a bit hot on sort of xg difference uh compared to actual points total um and the way that they play is just quite sort of open. Uh, James Trafford had a good game. Uh, Liverpool scored four goals. Two with this allowed. Uh, we can sort of it doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, Liverpool also got an early goal as well, so game set advantage. So yeah, um, pretty sort of solid performance. Um, it was quite nice seeing a quite cohesive performance with the rotated team. Uh, and I, th- I think I'm starting to. I know it's an American phase, but I'll, I'll, I'm drinking Klopp's Kool Aid in terms of. Um, a rotation uh, and you can't expect a sort of um a really impressive performance from a team that's changed a lot right you're just looking for the result and just to see at the match and I think one thing that's just a shame more than anything is with the um with the two goals that disallowed it would have helped to sort of manage the team's legs and the, and the game and you wouldn't have had any sort of period in the second half where I think they got three shots off or something. and in like I mean, it wasn't particularly threatening, but they had some shots. Uh, and I think if Liverpool were 2-0 up, you would have seen a, you'd it would have been an opportunity to see real sort of game management and everyone could have sort of gone to bed at half time because we could have killed the game off just pass the ball around. Uh shame that didn't happen. But but yeah, pretty for solid decent performance.
1: Yeah. Um so Si, I mean you mentioned we were close to getting things right in attack close to scoring more goals um, for various reasons Um, maybe I'm too maybe I'm too much focused on the lack of the numbers in the big chance column and the shot quality then Um, it's just that I just I am concerned generally about the pattern of play I don't mind so much in that we're improving the defensive side of the game but I'm just wondering if the attack has declined too much to get that improvement in the defence, you know, do you know what I mean? It's always like it's Rafa's blanket. Is what I'm trying um, to get at.
3: I don't know. I, I I think we're more cohesive now than we had been early in the season, <coughs>
1: uh, but, I, I, but creating I, less. So yeah, well, we're, I just, we're better. I actually
3: think we. I I think. I don't know if we're creating less. I think big chances are attributed badly, and we have had we we, we've had uh, a whole bunch of big big chances given to us this season that weren't big chances at all. Mm. Um,
1: Shot quality, no, not bothered. I
3: even I even prefer a different a different term because my shot quality is the thing that happens after the shot.
1: No, Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: So our shot quality in this game wasn't bad. Our chance quality probably wasn't as good as it could have been but i don't even think we were we were getting into the moment and taking the wrong shots yeah i I think we took some really good shots i think just stuff got in the way of us of this being a brilliant performance i think any of the things that didn't that happened that didn't happen would have resulted in a goal and then we could have won by five or six
1: yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this was a bad performance at all because you know you're in the grind. It's three days after the Arsenal game. You go away and you keep a clean sheet, and you know we've seen these games before countless times. That you know where you could come away with a one nil ugly win, and it's just you just get out of there right with the with the win, as no... you know. So, and um, I think my concern yeah, is three
3: point three three point three, 3 x uh, post shot. That's that's good.
1: Yeah, three
3: point three post shot from one point eight xt. Yeah. I'm taking that every time. I yeah, think has yeah. did a good job. Okay.
4: One difference we did have early in the season was Jota was fit as well. And that helps.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, sorry, talk about can you talk about the Jota selection? Klopp's admitted that he gambled. Can you explain what that means? What's that what that entails? What
3: what that entails is a manager told the truth to the papers.
1: <laughs> That's Which, the only difference. They do it all on. the time. Which and um, what? What? what um, can you just summarise what the situation was
3: with them? So typically, uh, that your medicine, medical staff are going to going to try to to save their own arses and say some. They they they'll keep. Uh, uh, I've worked with certain physios over the years uh, who who uh, uh, let's say I've called the fitness Nazi who who you would take you send a player to. Uh, players wouldn't even tell them when they're injured because they would say you're out for the rest of the season, basically on the third game of the season. Um, So medical staff can be a little bit precious about keeping players up to certain specific arbitrary targets or targets of policies they have for specific injuries rather than being individualized. For, so
1: they will generally err on the side of caution.
3: Absolutely err on the side of caution. And yeah. managers absolutely err on the side of now. Yeah. Um, And the best cohesive team is one that I've talked about on the past that I think we've had here is when it worked collaboratively. And we've got objective data that informs good practice. I think in this case, what it was, was that um, he's he's fit to play in that there's no risk of re-injuring the injury. Um, It's just that his tolerance to playing load has not been built the um conventional way yet because he's only played two he's only had two training sessions. So what they would typically have done would be building up 30%, 30%, extra 30%, extra 30%, extra 30% and Klopp went, right, that 30% can be 28 minutes on the pitch instead of um instead of you doing uh eight hundred and fifty meters of high speed running on a, on a uncontested on a or in a small sided game and training.
5: allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit Libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN 25 to get 25% off at checkout.
1: So this is continuing what we discussed on the last part, where we're doing more and more on the pitch and less and less on the training ground. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: So uh, in, in all honesty, Klopp isn't wrong. There is just a risk to it, and it's job's it's Klopp's job to you know weigh that
1: risk. And and I think that you know it's absolutely perfect timing. What a boost to get him back and on the ball straight away. Anyway, it's but much, no... I've got yeah. Um, now um, Hamza, you have probably written more than anybody else in the entire country about Trent Alexander Arnold this season and his role. Um, how did you see him in this game? And um, very much part of the
4: back three for long periods, right? Yeah. In build-up? I, I also thought this is... I'm just going to try and remember all the matches since the international break, but I think this was his uh, least impressive match since the international break, I think. I, th- I don't know if people would disagree, but um, I thought it was fine, but not as excellent as he had been in uh, a few matches recently, the Arsenal one in particular. Uh, but yeah, um able to, to to move around a bit again that's a quality that we've seen more and more over the past uh few weeks and i think it was um did klopp mention it in a in a presser once uh but, um the idea is to not, not just have him uh no actually it was that piece i referenced it was the opta piece wasn't it so the after we did the pod, we mentioned that it'd be ideal if um Trent, uh sort of horse for courses uh, uh, attempt to move wide when when the opportunity was right and then deep when the opportunity was deep uh, yeah. and playing field uh, then uh, David Seeger did that piece for the opto analysts and uh, he showed that that has increasingly been the case uh, this season compared to last well the last sort of uh, eight matches of last season uh, but yeah um, been all over um, yeah uh, so, yeah we're seeing the development but uh, compared to other recent matches uh, there are a few um, looser passes than usual but again it, uh, I wouldn't place so much emphasis on this because um players are quite tired and it's burnley as well uh I, I know it's a full league match but it has almost a feel of a, a sort of cup match uh because of the the difference in the strength of teams and whatever you, you say that you know hamza but he did generate 0.79
1: xt on the mark R stats model i don't i can't recall seeing a 0.79 before <laughs> that's just a phenomenal figure for expected threat
4: and we we, we mentioned the uh I think FB Ref has just updated, but my laptop has been really, really slow. So I'm just going to grab the... Yeah, Sai's been waiting for that update all day. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to get his XA for the match. uh, Lazy bastards. (laughs) Computer says no, Sai.
3: Oh, his XA for the match, Trent's XA for the match was 057
4: it's good. How's again. That's good. And it's 0.79 xt. In which case, my eyes—I I must have been nodding off. Then.
1: well, it was, it was. That's what I mean. It was. I thought it was quite a, a soporific performance you know, in general, fitting it was a with Boxing Day. One was Gappo, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Which understat gives a point zero
3: eight? Yeah. Chance quality for.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think um, I guess one thing I want to explore more though is just. Well, someone said to say si earlier on, Hamza, he's not necessarily trying to get into centre midfield alongside the six in that role like he was so much at the start of the season. I mean, average positions are, you know, you've always got to try and interpret them. But his average position in both of these matches was to the right of the right centre back, basically, alongside him, not in front of them in, in a double pivot or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, it's I, variety. Is 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 important? We always said this. You, you've got you, you. You cannot be the one thing you cannot afford to be in football is predictable.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I think when it came to the Arsenal match in particular, you could see um, uh, how that sort of um, that problem of him moving in between the centre backs became an issue. Uh, and I think there are a number of clip passes down the line uh, in this match which uh, were were quite effective as well. Um, I'm just looking at the stats profile as well. Uh, so. 28 attempted long passes and 17 completed so 60% completion rate which is really good for long passes in fact I think it's only been beaten twice this season against Villa where he was clipping passes for fun uh, again
1: where he rotated positions with Joel Matip in that game Mm. and was very much part of the backline in build up
4: Uh, and the other match is Luton but uh, in that match Liverpool had loads of possession and uh, were a bit sort of uh, Mm. unfortunately wasteful Wasteful. yeah Uh, but yeah um Four key passes as well, which again has been oh, actually it's been exceeded in Sheffield United match, Palace uh, United as a Manchester United match. But yeah, I, I think that the form since the international break, in particular, has been really, really impressive. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I, I might have just got the wrong read on this match. Uh, that I think it's, it's,
1: it's fine. I was just more. It's more like the, I was just interesting because. Cy was quite impressed with our general competence and our build-up and stuff. Uh, I just wanted to know your your thoughts. And Gomez was holding the width quite well on the left. He was quite attacking, um, you know. And 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 it was very much a different midfield balance as well. With Har- Harvey was effectively playing as a right winger, do you, you think most of the time? And then and Gravenberg was almost as a ten.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, and I think again this is something that we mentioned before when you play with um, the the fullbacks and when you play with. Uh, wingers that play on the opposite side, uh, sometimes with this particular system, the WM, uh, that means that you can be quite narrow. So you do need either your you, your, your fullbacks, if they're not inverting to stay wide to hold the width and just stretch the play a bit more. Uh, and you also need, um, if that's not happening, you need your center mid to do that. Yeah. And at the same time, you still want that vertical depth as well. Uh, so you can, uh, y- you want to be compact enough, uh, in possession to be able to counter press while also maintaining width so that you you're stretching the opponents and you want to do that both vertically and uh, and hor- uh, horizontally um so yeah uh that having that spacing is important and again it's something that was done quite well in the Arsenal match um and with that comes uh, more opportunities to to um play passes As in, when you've got more space because you're spaced out better uh, you can pick out passes better it's just um, mm. uh, quite natural in that regard uh, so, so yeah uh, I, I hope that explains that a little bit more yeah I think so um,
1: Say si, any thoughts about Cody Gakpo playing back on the in the role we effectively signed him for you know where he spent all his time at PSV how did you how did you appraise Cody's performance on the left of the front three um, I thought he
3: did okay he he had a nice game it wasn't spectacular or anything he didn't give the ball, ball away too badly and he had, it, it, it was talked up that he did a, he did a really good job but you know 27 touches again yeah,
1: yeah. but he, this he is did the-
3: have a he did have an
4: assist ah,
1: yeah i was going to say though right? he he had the same low overall involvement in terms of his pass volume, right, in his touches. But at the same time, this time he had actual output. He had two chances created, three shots and five dribbles. Yeah. And 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 0.76 expected goals plus XA. So, I mean, that is a good productive line, which is what he hasn't had any of, really, in the, in the centre-forward position or the false nine position.
3: I, I don't think that's true. I think he hasn't had any recently. He's not been
1: in the greatest of form. We haven't been fine in So the he position. hasn't had a consistency consistently. Then, yeah, consistently for sure. Yeah. But also, burning a wank. This is it. I was say, that was my next question. How much of it, though, is just Burnley being a bad team? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a
3: lot of caveats to all of the narratives we're talking about. Like yeah. Very small sample sizes for some people and the quality of opposition. We've been creating less because we, we've been going for a period of higher quality opposition. Um, yeah. And
1: Burnley really are a rubbish team. Burnley um, and are, but one of, thing like, that we was we not small... We should have battered them. Yeah, one thing that was not a small sample size was Darwin Nunez's goal drought, and then he breaks that um, after six minutes. Say, si.
2: what goal? It, it,
3: weirdly, I, I I had a conversation with the coach, and then I was talking to my son afterwards because there'd been at a Boxing Day thing, uh, family thing that I avoided because of my brain. Um, and uh, he he had said the same thing to my daughter that um, Sadio, at his best, we used to talk about it a lot that. Sadio was a brilliant instinctive finisher. Yeah. You give him three seconds to think about it. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And Darwin is very similar. One touch, great finish. Give him a second to think about it. Terrible. And and you can't deny the effort to get up from being clubbed in the first place. It was the longest one-two for years with Gakpo. Gappo just fed him back in and then he he hit beautifully. Uh, there's a phenomenal um, view from the, the left-hand post from behind the goal. And there was maybe a foot square that was two feet off the floor for him to uh, a tunnel for him to have curled that ball and not touch any of the limbs that were in the that were potentially in the way, unbelievable. Anywhere else that that gets deflected wide, it was just a genuinely great finish.
1: Um, and it was another goal from outside the box, yep, great. Right. Um, don't shoot from outside the box, where, You're a dickhead.
3: Where, where, but I'll take this one because it was brilliant.
1: Where are you standing on the process versus, um, you know, the whole thing that we're shooting outside the box now because we're good at it? Kind of debate, which is amongst all the fans, at the fan base at the moment. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah,
3: we just shoot outside the box because you can't think of anything better to happen. But because this was not... the moment where there was a gap. Well, I thought you were going to go gap. on and
1: say we don't because we don't go on and create high enough quality chances so that our moves break down, so we end up shooting earlier. That's what I thought, I thought you were going to say.
3: You, you don't create high enough quality chances because you've got so many dickheads throughout the area because they want to score glory goals. <laughs> Anyone's play football. You've played with those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it still happens in the Premier League. Promise you.
1: Yeah. Um, and Hamza, this is probably the third time you've been on talking about long shots outside the box. It's a real theme since you've <laughs> since you've joined the podcast. You brought it up first of all, and it's just continued
4: uh yeah the, the new year shooting from there is fine because it's just just inside just outside the d uh and yeah, then Elliot's that's acceptable one. that's the acceptable i think if you draw a rectangle around the d that's the acceptable outside the box zone mm, yeah uh, so if you shoot from there as in like yeah it's fine um and he takes it really well uh central area cool uh it's it's the other ones it's the suburbs lights it's trent ones it's uh harvey's other one like so they're, they're, these are when you're, you're turning <laughs> uh, and the thing about these as well actually if you go and understand you can have a look I think they're, they're pretty much all in zone 14 as well like yeah there are much, much better options to use to yeah I like yeah. as in and, and they know that there are way yeah. better options to to, to 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 use and utilize there uh, from just outside the area there's there's no reason that they should be shooting from there even if they've got a really good long shot on them I think opposition teams now know oh They've got a long shot on them. They might close that player down. That means you should definitely be using the opportunity if someone's closing you down to pass it off. Especially if you have got Salah on the inside. If you got and you see as well, like when Diaz came on late on, uh, the players understand. Like um, I think so Salah was on the left and Diaz was on the right, and this is right at the end. Salah tries to play a pass towards Diaz when I think he's got an option on on, on the near side. Liverpool are already two 0 up. And I think he he understood in that moment. Diaz hasn't scored will try Trying give him a goal uh, the, mm. the, these players should also do uh, taking shots from outside the box should uh, understand the same situation as well they should be giving it to, to Nunez as much as possible if, yeah. if, if they've got the, sh- uh, the ball just outside the box let him get the shot off let him get a shot away and um, yeah, uh, th- it's just, that's bad decision making. And that has also characterized not just this match, but the Arsenal match as well, and especially the Manchester United match. Um, that, that's why the XT isn't being converted into XG. Uh, it's because there's bad decision making in, um, yeah, in the final third, I, I, I it's sound just like not I'm as fluent as it match. should be, is it? It's not like, clicking quite, not quite clicking in the final third, is it? Yeah, um, I think, and and we'll we'll come on to to, to to Jota as well, but I think that helps a lot, uh, just because he has that that sense of making the most, one of the most efficient sort of decisions when he gets into mm, the box. Uh, he's able to take the ball quickly and release it quickly. Uh, not too much sort of um, funk going around in his head when he receives the ball. It's quite clean and clear, even if it doesn't look super. Clean and clear when Jota has it, um, it's very efficient in his mind. And uh, yes, yeah, so, so having that, I think, should help. And I think that was a reason why Liverpool started the, the season well uh, from an offensive point of view. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, these long shots—they've got to stop because uh, they're not adding this much value. They're not adding a lot of value at the moment.
1: We are. We are mo- we are marginally above league average rate at converting on shots. We're not good at we've ma- we scored seven, but we're marginally above the league average rate because we've taken so goddamn many.
3: Here's the stat, Dal. 15.8, 15.4, 14.9, 9.7. Distance 9. from goal. 6. Oh. No, these are percentages of shots that are blocked. Right. 15 point you can't you can't have 15 percent of your shots blocked that's just no from a striker that's <clears throat> that's just stupid so the only two players the only two two players we have in the team that percentage is shot shot blocked under 10 percent
1: guess who they are in the team yeah uh salam jota there you go yeah um so I, I know you never read the charts I make. Um so do you know who the um statistically the best team from outside the box is this season? No. Oh, would you believe it? It's the I said it's the same team that we played in this match who didn't have a single shot on target. No way. Really? They've scored seven goals the from actually inside the uh, Yeah. They've put, scored seven the goals. They've scored seven goals from 76 shots outside the box. That's one in wow. one in 11 even I can do that Matt. was whereas Wolves and Crystal Palace are both zero goals from 65 shots. <laughs> we are seven goals from 135 shots outside the box. I,
3: ha- we, I
1: had looked at their graph. And we are 40 more than any other team now, which is just bonkers. Yeah, stop shooting so far. Yeah. Um, Hamza, was a lot of debate in our chat last night about... Uh, the referee, Paul Tierney, you are the most objective and um, hey, you'd you have to pay, you be paid to talk about this stuff for your day job. Why did you stand on the decisions last night and how egregious were they in your opinion?
4: Uh, I thought both should have been goals. Uh, well, I thought the one where Salah was deemed offside because of a push, I thought that was bad process by the VAR. Um, I don't think we need to really get into this this much, as in uh, as in VAR stuff. But as in, everyone knows that the process that they use is just not very sort of... Compared to cricket, compared to rugby, uh, it's not very clear. Uh, and often when a referee is referred to the monitor, they're not getting a full sort of picture. Uh, they get a, one very big picture, and, and that's it. But obviously that's a snapshot of, of the events, and I think... Uh, so- Paul Tinney, should had been showed that the push and the, the other one was the, uh, uh, just remind me again, that dub just completely... So it was them. it
1: was the, oh, the Darwin
4: foul. The oh, <laughs> God. That even worse. As if he just hadn't touched him. Uh, yeah, that, that was a diabolical one. I, when, when watching it live, I, I'm pretty sure I heard the whistle go uh, just after he took the shot. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was just never a foul. And you can tell by the player's reaction, uh, the, the Burnley player, because he, he he just hand to his head. He's like, oh, no, what have I done? I've just given a goal away by just being rubbish in the box. And so, then the referee blows. And he's like, oh, fantastic, great. So Tierney gives that one right. Um, so Tierney gives the
1: foul against Nunez, and the VAR does not recommend that he goes to the monitor to overturn it. There's not. They said it's not enough to overturn that. It's not mm-hmm. clear and obvious mistake, right? Then the second one Tierney gives it on the field, and then the VAR says there's enough from there is a clear and obvious mistake um, because of the upside, and then tells him to go to the monitor. Yeah. yeah. So so let's take the first one. Do you think there's any way that we can be angry about Paul Tini giving that on the field with his what he what he sees from where he sees it? Or do you think uh, the problem is a var problem?
4: Uh I think um I, I think generally, so I should be consistent with this, the um the threshold for var interventions is is too low and I think it should be higher. Uh, and if I believe that, then I think uh, we just got to accept that this is just a bad decision by the referee. Um, I, I think it should be really egregious sort of decisions. And I think this is... Clear and obvious. Yeah. Clear and obvious. Yeah, you're saying. And I, think, <laughs> uh, I think there's a little bit of contact. And personally, I, I, I would not give that. But I've also got to recognise I'm Liverpool supporter. So I'm always going to be co- coloured by that. And I think um, if you're an objective referee and you've seen that, you go, ooh, yeah. I probably think it is a goal. However... <laughs> Uh, there's a bit of contact there, and the referee actually has a good good view, and they've they've got a sense of the physicality as well of that moment, which you don't get through the camera. So you go, okay, and, mm. and the, they're in conversation as well. So the, the, there's a good chance that Paul Tierney said to the VAR uh, or said to his on-field of- officials, "I've got a really good view of that." Yeah, I think that's a fact. But he
1: but he has a re- he has a really good view from the wrong angle because the on- the only way you see the, no- the the non-contact is from the reverse angle.
4: Mm. That's true, but um, I I. I I think uh, VAR reofficiating by the VAR absolutely should not happen. Yeah, uh, and I think it, it, if something is going to happen here, uh, Paul Tierney should. This is my sort of view. Paul Tierney should be able to ask. I would like to have a look at that again. Goes over to monitor, has a quick look. Yes or no? But yeah, uh, I think it's a goal, but like it's within that sort of um, grey area, so I'm not too sort of upset about that that that, that um, not being given. And what about the second one? So the
1: second one is. It, it's given on field, but then he's told to go and look at it because it's well,
4: clear and obvious mistake. This is different because it's not subjective, as in offsides are deemed non subjective. Yeah, so, it, again, so from a procedural sort of point of view, I think it's correct that the, the VAR flagged <coughs> that Salah was offside. Whether yeah. Salah was actually interfering with play and actually. Like, that is very debatable, uh, and I think. Do you, think do, you, do you
1: honestly think it was? Do you think when they, the irrespective, let's leave us leave, leave leave aside the fact of how Salah got into that position, right? I, th- I think it's inarguable that he's in the line of sight of the keeper. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, when I, the I, shot, when the moment the shot is taken, he is directly in line, and it's and it's what eight yards out.
4: Yeah. Uh, I think if Salah wasn't there, the ball probably would have gone in anyway. And I think Trafford probably also would have. I don't. I, the step I, I, I think we right. have.
1: I think we have, but, to, I think we have yeah. to. I think we have to ignore what the keeper is doing.
4: Yeah, I, I agree as well. Uh, 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 yeah, you just preempted what I was going to say. Uh, I think yeah, Salah was in an offside position there. Um, so the
1: debate again, on this one is how Salah got into that position. So where did he hmm. stand on that bit?
4: Yeah, that, that's a clear push and a foul. Um, uh, again, so that means that means it's a pen. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I also believe, uh, uh, that, um, the threshold for penalties should be very high as well. Uh, and I don't think, uh, n- not pertaining to this particular incident, but I think, uh, general files in- inside the area should, should sort of, if they're sort of small ones, they should actually, be let go because as, as mentioned before by many other people, a 0.76 or 0.78 XG chance for a sort of minor infraction inside the box isn't quite fair. But this, this obviously is a major infraction because it's put a player in the offside position, and disallowed the goal. see, so yeah, should be a penalty. Uh, two hands in the back quite clear. Uh, and I don't know why the bard isn't. Uh, direct Tierney to have a look at that so that, yeah. again that's just bad procedure uh, I, I wouldn't put that at the hands of a but i
1: don't I, I don't I don't know if there's anything in the rules as it stands for, to deal with that scenario because unless you can say it's a foul that you know that there was nothing else you know unless you're going to try and layer in another something level of contextual information into
4: the offside law you know it's which... I, I think the VAR vars an opportunity to, to saying there's a clear push here but, that, but he has to, You can't
1: just say it's a push. You have to say it's a foul or not a foul. You can't say it's a. So a push is a. You know a push is. A, you can have bodily contact without it being a foul.
4: Mm.
1: So if if you're just saying there's a push, then you know is it is it a push and no foul or push and a foul?
4: That's a fair point, actually. Uh, yeah, and in which case, yeah, so it's, it's a matter for the 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 lawmakers but um, I think the lawmakers also just got themselves in the real sort of twist over making rules specifically for VAR. Well this is true actually. Uh, and cheap. the rewriting of rules makes it very difficult. I remember a number of it's- years ago, someone mentioned on TV, like I don't understand what the handball is, handball rule is anymore, and I thought, what what a load of nonsense? It's very clear, very simple. But to be completely <laughs> honest, over the past five years, yeah, uh, with the consistency of of yeah. silhouette, natural, posi- natural position, natural position. If a player's falling to ground, they use the, the hand yeah. to support them. Yeah, um, did if it touch a, an opponent on the way through or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And th- yeah. There's one that I think Liverpool uh, listeners will will see today where. um well, when they listen, as a Everton conceded a penalty and uh, Anana was like two yards away from the Manchester City player just blasted the ball at them. Um, you look at that penalty that was given and you look at the one that wasn't with the Odegaard one and yeah, I, I, I now sympathise with whoever it was on TV that said they don't have the handball is anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's just a, a separate issue, but a bit of a mess. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought Liverpool should have had four goals, but um, and it affected the way that Liverpool played because yeah. with a two-goal lead early on, that completely changed the match, and Liverpool sit out. It's very comfortable, and it was very comfortable anyway. But as in, I don't think Liverpool would actually tried; would have had to try for the last half hour of forty-five minutes, whatever. Uh, but yeah, um,
5: yeah. yeah. That, it's, that, all that's all, that's all I would say is it's
4: not un, it's not uncommon. For
1: defenders to give attackers a nudge as a ball's coming into the box. at all mm. just to put them off balance is perfectly a common situation like, a dozen times a game kind of thing, but it, they don't always end up in offside positions like this with material impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So si, you have a rather different view of all this, don't you? Do you want to, do you want anything to add to this?
3: I, th- I think there are only so many times you can see, um, the same referee take the gray area against one time, one
1: team without wondering if yeah. bias yeah I'm not yeah. like an idiot yeah that's basically it. no no there's some pretty compelling and then and then and, and I think what we'll do is the next time Rosie is on and then we have some time maybe an international break or yeah. something or during the FA Cup we will do a lot more on this and uh, because there is there is evidence how you know how statistically robust it is you know Barts will be the judge of that um but yeah, I think there's a case. There's definitely case There's definitely enough statistical coincidences, isn't there, to 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 raise your eyebrows. sir, uh, to say, there is enough statistical coincidences that
3: an organisation who is the governor of uh, the arbiter of uh, rules and and officiating and fairness wouldn't choose him to would remove him from the situation. Hmm. Out of transparency alone, yeah, yeah. In in this particular case, those two. I understand what Hamza said. I understand your 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 view. And I don't care about the VAR reffing games. I just want the decisions to be right. I'm bored <laughs> with oh the the VAR. It wasn't high enough bar. Darwin literally didn't touch the defender. Footballers don't go to the ground without holding their fucking heads at this point. If if there was any kind of contact, and that guy was not feigning injury whatsoever, he literally missed. Darwin was stupid for swinging, but he literally didn't touch him. So there is no um, oh, there was a little bit of contact. I can see why he didn't. It's it's not true. And like I'm, I'm fully against the contact being a foul bullshit there's in penalty areas, which is arbitrary. They make it up, and they, 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 as the second decision shows, they pick and choose when to apply that rule. It, there was no contact, which means that that's as egregious a an error of view as possible. There's no way the VAR can't say. Oh, actually, you thought it was a foul. It can't have been. Have a look from this angle. It's that simple. It's binary. It's not even subjective. I understand how the, the Mo thing is, ends up being subjective. Is he interfering with play or not? Well, actually, should he have been there or not? No, because that's a foul against him because he gets shoved with two hands enough to make him move forward yeah. two metres into the line of play. It's a foul. Yeah. I, I don't understand how they they have uh, I don't know, agreed upon the weird things that are fouls and that aren't fouls and it's got nothing to do with force anymore. It's like is there a contact on a shin? Oh, definitely a pen. If the ref sees it as a pen, they'll they'll just use that as evidence when it wasn't a foul in the first place. And I don't understand how this has become normal for what 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 we've got from the media now from They want to feel like they're experts and they're sharing their expertise. So what they're doing is they're explaining how VAR sees it rather than what they actually think and the actual rule, uh, applying of the actual rules. And so they're saying, oh, I see. I see why VAR wouldn't overturn that because there was contact, but it wasn't a foul. And they don't think it's a foul. And it's just become this weird norm, like from the from the 90s when raising your arm you you've going to be sent off whether he chins somebody or not, if you raise your arm, it's a red card, but that's not a rule.
1: Yeah. 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 Rant over. Uh, First off, fair play, fair play, sorry, but um, I think it's, um, it's been an epically long pod. Um, (laughs) I'd like to thank you, take you, take the, uh, thank you both for attending. I'm ready to go to bed. I can't even get my words out. I'm just that late. Um, But thank you, sorry. Thank you Hamza, it's been a really really detailed part and the games come thick and fast, we'll be back after New Year for another huge home game against Newcastle until then, wishing everybody who listens a very happy New Year until then, up the fucking Reds
2: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically